Good day, all you beautiful people. I am your host, Chris Champagne. This is Toaster Tubby Time, and I am medicated for your amusement. Welcome back. This is part two of the Telltale Heart. This is issue nine, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the post everything as well as uh, why my wife is a badass. So I'm going to start off right away with after the surgery, they brought me to the ICU. Um, Again, I'm terrified of everything at this point in time. The last time I was in the hospital, I was 18 years old. I had a kidney stone, um, which they tried to non-invasively remove. And non-invasive just means that they did not cut me. Uh, So, and that meant that they had to use pre-existing holes to get to my kidney. There's one pre-existing hole that will get to your kidney, and that is not the one that you want to have them go checking through to pull out this thing that ended up looking like roughly the size of a earring stud. But back to the original story. So I am in the ICU. My wife had apparently been trying to reach me repeatedly. Uh, because once I got to Hartford, well, when I was in the helicopter, I couldn't text her. Once I got to Hartford, they pretty much took my everything and I did not have any way to communicate with her up until then. So the first thing I did when I got into the ICU, I had to piss. I had to piss like crazy. So they bring you over one of those little plastic milk juggy things and They gave me some privacy to do that, and I then asked them if I could have something to drink. I was rather parched, as I hadn't had anything to drink since about 5 p.m., and at this point in time, it was 11 p.m., so a good six hours without anything. I was parched. I drank that ginger ale as fast as I could, and then I brought that ginger ale right back up. So that was rather painful considering everything that had happened. So I talked with my wife and kind of got everything set at that point in time. I was in the ICU for overnight. The next day they let me sit up and put, you know, moved me over to my chair so I can watch some TV. They let me walk around the, the unit supervised, of course. And part of me was still terrified because I don't know that there's not COVID patients in this ICU, but everything kind of worked out well Uh, so far as everything went with that. They ended up moving me to the uh, recovery, the post-op ward the next day uh, where I got to walk around at a slow pace and just obviously stay within the ward. They had me all wired up for everything, but I didn't have to have any drips or anything. So it was just me walking around with this monitor in my pocket connected to my 
chest. So that was kind of nice of them to let me have that little bit of freedom there. Um, my first roommate was a good guy, uh, but he had intestinal, gastrointestinal issues. Um, I stayed there the first night in that room. I was expecting to be released the following day, but they said, oh, we found issues while you were sleeping. Uh, you have some arrhythmia and your heart seems like it might be stopping. So we want to keep you another night for observation. And my roommate at that time had also decided to advise me, hey, you should ask them about sleep apnea because it sounds like you have sleep apnea. I could hear it when I was sleeping. And I was thinking to myself, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't mean that you had to hear that. And he's like, oh, no, that's pretty cool. So as it was, I was a little bit bummed out about that. But then about a half an hour later, because of my roommate's gastrointestinal issues, they had decided to give him an enema. He did not fully make it to the bathroom. So my bathroom, well, the bathroom in our shared room was off limits for quite a while. And it still maintained a horrible stench after that. So I had politely asked the nurse, hey, would it be okay? Is there a way to get me moved? You know, with his issues and everything, it's, you know, I can't use the bathroom. It's, it's really uncomfortable. So they were very cool. They found me a new room where somebody was actually leaving that day. So they kind of covertly moved me to that new room. And this is where we're kind of going to get into my wife, the badass. So after all of that, after being told a second time that I wasn't going home because of the issues that I had with sleep apnea, duh, I was almost 300 pounds. It would not have taken a rocket scientist to tell you that I had sleep apnea. So I had to stay there another night and I was getting really depressed. I wanted to be home. I was there by that point in time for three nights I needed to be home. I really missed being home. I missed my wife. Uh, all I could do is really text and kind of video chat her every once in a while, but she had work and she couldn't come visit again because of all the restrictions that the hospital has to take for coronavirus. Uh, so I was there all alone. I was really, really depressed and I did not really kind of think of the fact or I did think of the fact and just didn't care about the fact that they had not provided me really with any kind of toiletries. I had been wearing the same Johnny coat since I had been admitted originally on Sunday and this was Wednesday. Um, I didn't have a toothbrush. I didn't have any soap or anything, no toiletries, nothing like that. And part of me thought, okay, maybe the doctors are needing all of this because they're all being displaced because they're stuck here, you know, living this thing 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the beginning of it. Uh, there's obviously different protocols now and things are getting a little bit more easier for them. Not easy, a little bit easier, but yeah, at that onset I was thinking, okay, there's just nothing for patients. So that day my wife had brought me some of my stuff from home. She brought a couple comic books, my laptop. So at least I had something kind of there to entertain me. And we had been talking. So she knew that I was really, really depressed about this whole thing. Uh, really lonely, really isolated. 
And she managed to kind of talk to my nurse from a distance, because that's the way they did it. My wife could walk in, stop, give the stuff to a security guard who then kind of whatever they did to disinfect, who gave it to the nurse. So my wife had mentioned to the nurse that, oh, you know, Chris is really depressed. He's really down. And, you know, my my nurse was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll make sure I keep an eye on him and talk to him and whatever. And my nurse did check in on me and, you know, just make sure, you know, hey, everything okay? Hey, is everything okay? Is there anything that you need? And, you know, I didn't even think of, I'm just depressed. I'm just, I want to be home. What do I want? What do I need? I need to be home. I need to be out of this place. So I was just like, no, I'm fine. That's okay. So uh, conversations with my wife a little bit later that evening, I was talking with her and just saying, you know, I haven't even been able to brush my teeth since Sunday. Haven't really had to change clothes or been able to wash myself or anything like that since Sunday. So I'm kind of just like, blah. And my wife says, no. <laughs> and that was the last I had heard from her. Um, she kind of just hung up and she said no. And she hung up. Um, and then about 15 minutes later, the nurse comes back in and she's like, why didn't you tell me you don't have a toothbrush or you wanted to brush your teeth? Or you, you know, you didn't have any soap or a change of Johnny coat. And I'm like, well, I didn't think that, you know, these are basic things. I thought that you would give them if you had them. And since you didn't, that you didn't have them. She's like, no, we have them. I, well, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what's going on at the hospital. This is COVID land. And she (laughs) gives me, you know, toothbrush and a soap and a change Johnny coat. And then she kind of told me that if my wife, ever called there again and talked to her or any of the nurses the way that she did, that she would not be taking her calls and no one would be taking her calls. So I'm just like, what happened? So I call my wife and I'm like, what happened? She's like, I laid into that nurse. I'm like, well, she's a, she's a baby nurse. She's like, I don't care. I saw her. I told her you were depressed. And that, you know, you're not going to say anything, but to kind of look in on you and make sure that everything's okay. And I'm like, but it's COVID and they're all stretched thin and she's a baby nurse. And my wife's response is, I don't care. She's a nurse. She should do her job. And, you know, obviously my wife has a lot of respect for the nurses, uh, the doctors, everybody who's going through this. Uh, I do as well, especially now. Well, not that I didn't before, but even more so now with the way that they took care of me and the way that they patched me up and made my my old ticker a little bit less old. But yes, my wife just absolutely took the fight to that nurse because she told her. And when she heard from me that how bad I was feeling and how bad I had gotten in there, she rightfully show lost her shit. And I completely understand. And I love her for that because that's part of her protective nature and she will protect the ones that she loves. But yeah, that being said, I would not want to be the person to fuck with my wife because she scares me sometimes when she can get in that mood. So eventually I was discharged on Thursday Got home, scrubbed for about a good two hours to get all the 
sticker crap off from all the EKGs that I had gone through. My wife was scrubbing me as well, just trying to rid myself of that sticky crap. Um, and then I was stuck for a month with this heart monitor on that I had to keep with me pretty much all the time. I could wear the monitor part in the shower and whatnot. It fed to a cell phone that I had that was just pretty much pre-programmed with all their stuff. Um, and if there was an issue, they would call me and then I'd have to reset it. And every night for a month, I got woken up at night because they would call me and I would tell them, yes, I know I have sleep apnea. Please do not call me. I'm still alive. I'll call you if I die to let you know. They got a little bit of humor out of that. They were really nice company from the South. I could tell from all the, the pleasant Southern accents. And Southern accents are very pleasant sometimes. Unless they're saying, bless your heart. Or all thoughts and prayers. Because those are really the most passive-aggressive things that you can ever say in the South. Like... If you really, really don't want to piss a Southerner off, don't say bless your heart or thoughts and prayers, because really that's just their way of saying fuck you in a really, really nice passive-aggressive way. But back to the story. Um, Yeah, I had to wear the heart monitor for a month. They woke me up every night for a month, and I had to do a at-home sleep study, which was really rather uncomfortable. And that led to the biggest nightmare I have ever had. And I'm going to talk about it at a different episode. I I can't unpack this now because it was just horrible, but I had to use a CPAP machine. I lasted less than 30 days using a CPAP machine. Um, Every night I would stay up till roughly about four o'clock just with this thing on trying to fall asleep till I ended up throwing it across the room. Not the CPAP machine, the face mask. Uh, that would have been an expensive mistake. But to kind of uh, wrap this up on a little bit of a silly note, because I really don't want to be that heart attack guy on his podcast, and I'm going to talk about it, and I'm probably at some point going to be considered the heart attack guy with the podcast, but that's not who I want to be right now. Uh, That's years down the road, so we have a lot to go. But I want to end it on kind of a funny, silly um, laughable moment. Uh, when I got home, my work had sent me a nice, uh, basket of, uh, greenery, I guess if there were some flowers, but it was mostly kind of greenery type stuff. Uh, I, I don't know, fern, I don't do plants, maybe ferns, something like that. Um, but the card was a condolence card. So, my wife was like, I think they think you're dead. I'm like, well, that'll be a surprise when I show up to work on Monday, won't it? But that is it. That is my time for this issue. I hope that you will come back next week and have a great one. I love you, beautiful beeholes. It's the way you walk, it's the way you talk, it's the way you shine. It's the way that turn in a walking on, in a walking night. And I'm sorry not to follow me. This is my life